Welcome back, friends. Lost Guy here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. Here we talk about everything Kirby, from the games to the anime to the manga and more. Kirby's Dreamcast. This podcast can be found everywhere podcasts are hosted and on YouTube. The advantage of the YouTube side is that I put footage of what I'm talking about on screen. The YouTube side is especially worth looking at when we do gaming episodes, like today, since we're going over Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe as a review. There will be lots of footage in the background based on my LP of the game. If you want to see that, I'll put a link in the description for that as well. In today's episode, we'll be celebrating everything the game did right and acknowledging everything the game did wrong. Anything you agree and disagree with, you can let me know on the YouTube side's comments or Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter. Retouching again, like the footage will be from my LP if you want to see that. I'll have a link in the description and I 100% of the game if you want to see everything, it's all there. Because I feel like you need to 100% a game before you do a review if you want to do a real good in-depth one. And that's what I did, so that's why we're here. One thing I really wanted to avoid was recency bias, so I took my time writing this review and thinking everything over so that we don't think this is just the best game ever since it's the newest and best one, but it is really good. So these reviews are only for the newer games in Kirby, like whenever they come out I'll do a review. And you can see this as a precursor to the full coverage episodes I've done in the past for Kirby games. And those full coverage ones of course are going over the advertising, behind the scenes, the history of how. It goes over every single detail I can find about the games. Well, this will be very in-depth, but not as in-depth as that because, well, I'm going to make that episode eventually in a couple of years. But this will still be, as I said, pretty in-depth as well, so there's a lot to look at here and a lot to consider. And I really enjoyed this game, so there's going to be a lot of talking going on here. Now, in my style of reviewing, I try to be as thorough as possible, so I go over all of the game. So I'm going to go through the entire story, go through Magalore's story, going to go through just so much is going to happen. But there's specific points I want to talk about, and they are these six. And that is, number one, visuals and design. How good does the game look and how does it work? Number two, sound. This covers the music, sound effects, and voice. Number three, gameplay. How good does the game play and how does it feel? Four is presentation. So this covers the structure of the game, the level layouts, the story, dialogue, flow, a lot of things. Basically, how do the first three things come together and more? Five is accessibility. How welcoming is the game for newcomers and how is it for returning players? And six is extra, and this is just other points. I usually put like fanfare in here because it's the opposite of accessibility where accessibility is how's it for new players and fanfare is like how is it for returning players. So those are the ones I'm going to do here. But why are these six? Because I think they're pretty good for covering everything about a game. For the most part we experience a game through three senses. We see the game through visuals, we hear the game through sound, and we feel the game through gameplay. Presentation covers how those three senses work together to give us a great experience. And accessibility is something worth talking about in two contexts in any game series. Like how much fan service is there? How much does it rely on prior knowledge? Some game series are guilty of alienating newcomers. Fortunately, I don't think Kirby has ever been that way. That includes Star Allies, by the way. Arguably, there are other criteria I could use, but you have to make a decision and move on at some point. So that's where Extra kind of comes in as well. If I have anything else I want to say that doesn't fit the categories, then Extra is that as well. Last thing to acknowledge is, before we start, is obviously this is a Kirby podcast, so bias is going to be a thing. But I think no one is more critical of something than the fans of it. Just some choose to be more flowery about it. Personally, I don't like reviews by people who aren't fans of a series or genre. Usually they misunderstand something or dump on something to be popular or edgy. I don't find that useful. Hearing what a JRPG fan thinks of Street Fighter is worthless is what I'm saying. In the end, why does a review exist? So we can see what others think of something and see if we want to partake in the thing being reviewed but also so we can discuss views on the subject as well. That's why this review exists, obviously, as Kirby fans. We all bought the game, but let's talk about where the game succeeded and where it fumbled. Also, since this is a Kirby podcast, spoilers coming up, of course. One more thing to note is how I'm going to break this up in the game is going to be the different sections, so I'm going to talk about the game in this order. The main story, the first arena, Magler's epilogue, 
Story EX, Mary Magaland, and lastly the True Arena. Those last two will be a lot quicker than the others since EX is just harder story with some changes, and True Arena is mostly more of the first arena, but a couple surprises. So let's talk about the title screen first. The first time we boot up the game we get the HAL icon and then Curry flies in and gathers his allies and it's time to hit start. A nice quick open which I've always liked about Kirby games. And something fun here is seeing Magolan in the background for this updated version. From the start of the game, it tells us that we're in for some lighthearted fun and adventure. So well done but just the opening bit alone. It asks us if we want to connect online and this is of course for Magalore facts which are interesting. So let me give the first big criticism to the game right off the bat. We have the internet connectivity for interesting stats, but that's it. Unfortunately, HAL and Nintendo didn't attempt to do online gameplay, and that's an important thing to note. All this review is based on solo play. I wish I could review this game with party play in mind, but I can't. So keep that in mind as you hear this review. Oh yes, one more thing to remember, Deluxe is actually the first time I beat this game. Due to some family issues, I wasn't able to complete this game when it first came out years ago, so it was great that a remake came to give me a chance to play it again. Basically, why I'm admitting this is that I will not be comparing this to the previous original game since I never finished the original. This review is purely based on this game and this game alone, and to an extent that's probably what you should be doing anyway when you review a game, standalone. So once we start the game, we're treated to a short but sweet cutscene. Kirby games are known for their great openers, and this is no exception. The cutscene opens with another sunny day in Dreamland, Kirby is running with a cake in hand, followed by King Diddy and Bandana D. Midnight is nearby enjoying a book while Morphonite stares at him, and the music playing is A Visitor from Afar by Hirokazu Ando. Something special about the Kirby opening cutscenes is how well crafted they are. The music in them takes a lot of tonal shifts, and this one does it very well. A portal opens up in the sky, and the musical tone shifts. Kirby stops in his tracks and gets bumped into by King Dedede, which leads him dropping the cake, and Kirby looking at it on the ground. As the ship crashes, pieces break off, and the music has moments matching when the big pieces break off. Then the music shifts again when the four come upon Magalore's ship and find him. He wakes up and is crestfallen when he sees his ship has lost many major parts and also some minor pieces as well. But Kirby and friends assure Magalore that they'll get his pieces back and Magalore thanks them and shows them where the closest major piece is. And waves as they run off. Another thing I love about Kirby openers is that no dialogue is needed. We see everyone was just enjoying their day and then they go to see what's going on with this crashed ship we saw parts break off from it, Magalore's screen shows the number 120 go down to zero, and the screen shows pieces of the ship scattered from the ship. I really appreciate when cutscenes can convey so much without dialogue, and that's always been a great thing about Kirby. So we're off to a great start with this game presentation-wise. The visuals and design went perfectly with the music. The game then starts proper with Kirby's star going into cookie country, and then the game asks if we wanted to turn on Magalore mode. This is a great addition to the game. Magalore mode makes Magalore an active participant in the story instead of him just sitting back and waiting for Kirby crew, to get his pieces back. Magalore only helps by picking up players if they fall into pits, gives players double health, and gives Kirby powers during boss fights. It's a great addition for reasons I already said, and also for first time players, it sets them up for what comes in later in the game. You know what I'm talking about if you've played the game of course. So before we get to the first level, let's talk about the overworld. It's very clean and easy to understand. It shows us what level we're in by the number dash number, and shows us what pieces we need simply by dark or light spots and cogs. Great easy visual cues for youths and casual gamers. As the game goes on, it's also easy to travel between overworld levels. Then once we're in a major level set, we have the doors to step into for each level and the star to go back to for the overworld. Another nice thing is the themes of each level, giving a sense of progression. It's also nice to physically have Kirby running around and picking levels, then choosing levels from a list. That's just nice. Level 1-1 starts with the song The Adventure Begins by Ando, and it's the perfect first level song. Horn's telling us that it has begun and a good running tune. 
Level 1 1 continues doing what I love, and that is dialogueless tutorial. They show us a picture of what Kirby needs to do and then gives us the opportunity to do it. All the tutorials are great because of that. But now the next criticism appears, but we don't realize it yet. Every Kirby door takes a couple seconds before the next area loads up. Throughout the game, Kirby travels from door to door, and there are a couple seconds of loading at each door. Around the beginning, it's very noticeable, but by the time we're done with the game, it's just normal to us, so we don't notice it as much. But it really is pretty bad. Like, just, the worst is like 10, 12 seconds of loading, and you get a lot of those throughout the game. I just want to mention that now, since it just comes up the whole time, and it's just noticeable the most at the start when you first play the game. So that's the second thing worth mentioning as far as chrisms go, it's the intermittent load times, and there's lots of them. The first stage teaches a lot of important mechanics and even includes keys and doors, which becomes important at times. Also, I gotta mention the pause screens. They're very clean and easily explain everything powers can do. Also, the descriptions are fun and cute. Other new mechanics like being able to suck up big things and super abilities eventually come up. Super abilities are so cool and are used sparingly throughout the game, which I think is right because they do a great job of doing spectacle for Kirby and his friends, and I think they found the right balance with them by doing it that way. Ultra Sword is so cool. And it's fun how many swords Kirby can whip out, by the way. And then comes the other dimension. The other dimension is a curious idea that makes us rush through a stage or suffer crushing from an ominous wall, and then ending with a mini-boss fight. I also like that we get a couple power options before each Sphere Doomer fight. What's interesting is how kind of optional these dimensions are. They are a bit harder and would be a problem for kids, but fighting the Sphere Doomers are cool, and just this mysterious other dimension adds more, well, mystery to what's going on. Why do we go through these dimension rifts to retrieve gears? And of course, when you get better at the game if you're a kid and not doing too well, you can always just come back and do them later instead. So the Doomers are cool, but they do get same after a while. The different elementals do help, though. The classic end of level launch game is here as well, and I like how Magalore tags along if they have his mode on. I just enjoy more of his presence in the story. I just It's just a good idea, and I love that they did that. The 1-2 stage is the first introduction of Leaf and Gigant Edge to Kirby games. Leaf is an interesting idea since the leaves are sharp and the spin is cool. Sometimes I wish they did more, but Leaf is passable. Gigant Edge is a nice mini-boss, a big armored guy with a sword and a shield. They're easily dispatched, though. Stage 1-2 is also the first place we get Invincibility Candy, and that song is as good as ever. Interestingly, Magoland is unlocked after 1-2, but we'll talk about that later. In Stage 1-3, the Key D is encountered for the first time, Kirby's Return to Dreamland did a lot of first. Key D is an interesting addition to Kirby's puzzles. Someone we can't directly control, but we can influence them with how we affect the stage, or just racing them. The latter happens here in 1-3. This is also the first place for Festival Kirby, which I understand was added to the deluxe version. It's just a cute different kind of crash power, and I love its inclusion in the game. Stage 1-4 brings in the falling rocks from background to foreground, and they just look really good. They look like they're really falling at us and need to be dodged. I like that a lot. This stage also shows how well-designed stages are to show off powers. When we get the invincibility candy here, the enemy and stage placement is perfectly lined up for us to just cause a lot of damage as we sugar rush through the stage. Stage 1-4 is also the first Howl Room to return to Dreamland Deluxe, and we'll talk about those later when we go over, like, accessibility and fanfare. Lastly, 1-4 introduces the Monster Flame Super Ability, and that one is so cool! They did a really good job on the sound effects of the crackling flame as the dragon flies through and burninates everything. I really enjoy how the enemies get slammed into the fourth wall, by the way. That's just nice. And after World 1-4, uh, players learn about stamp tickets and that they can be redeemed at Mary Magoland. Is this a good time to bring up uh, Mary Magoland in-game? Maybe. I think I would have waited for after Wispy. But why it works beforehand, I suppose, is so we can see that bosses show up at Mary Magoland as we beat them. 1-5 is the Wispy Woods fight, and that's always a good first boss. I like that he has a new attack where he sucks up Kirby. That's a really good surprise when you're up close and personal with certain powers, like Fire Kirby. 
So let's talk about World 1 as a whole for a moment. It's a great first introduction to the game with only a couple powers revealed, two of the super abilities shown along with the other dimension, and also there's Wispy as a boss. The difficulty is pretty breezy and the music feels like a fun romp, so the game is off to a great start. And after beating World 1, we bring the oars to Magalore, and I think this is a great time to introduce the copy room, minigames, and the challenge rooms. So the copy ability rooms are nice since they let us play with powers, but I really like the challenge rooms. They're a good way to learn Master Kirby's powers and to feel a sense of achievement when we've completely beaten them. I'm going to save talking about the minigames from Mayor Magaland, by the way, because of course uh, that's a good spot for those. The second world is Raisin Ruins with a desert aesthetic and, well, deserty music. Stage 1 is the first time we see the whip ability in Kirby games. The whip is a fun idea for a new ability and Kirby is cute in a cowboy hat. This stage is also the first place to get sand ability. Honestly, Sand Kirby shows the growth of HAL over the last 10 years. Whip had a lot of moves that are whip-related, but ultimately it is kind of held back by what a whip can do, while Sand is multifaceted in so many ways. Heck, it even does whips grab with the Sand Grab ability. Honestly, Sand is pretty broken with all of its strong attacks and invincibility block. Also, Sand Castle is one of my favorite moves for sure, really cute and powerful. There are some beautiful backgrounds in Return to Dreamland, and that shot of the Big Pyramid in 2-1 is very good. 2-2 transitions to an oasis in the desert here, and they debuted Water Kirby, yet another new power that started in Return to Dreamland. Water Kirby is such a cool idea. Something great about Kirby's power is how they vary Kirby's movement sometimes. His surf dash and float by spitting water downward are so fun. Something I like about 2-2 is it brings back the slopes from Kirby Superstar that are fun to do with Rock Kirby. 2-2 is also the premiere of Flare Beam, and I love how huge Kirby's Jester hat is. The destruction of Flare Beam, it's so big and bright and loud. Just wow. There's lastly the other dimension with Fire Doomer, which is just a fun mini-boss. Then comes 2-3, which is climbing the Raisin Ruin itself. Always cool to have Kirby climb a pyramid. Another debut happens here, which is King Doo. Kirby's Return to Dreamland brought in a lot of new things for sure. King Doo also confirmed that the two black lines on Waldo Doo's head were hair and not antennas, since King Doo has a big thing of hair right there. The next stage, 2-4, which is going inside the Ruin Pyramid, the song once inside is named Vestiges of the Ancients, which feels like a lore clue about the place. I like the conveyor belt style combat here with the sand pushing us along. There's also the candle in the dark section here, and I think it's a fun idea. 2-4 is also the debut of Water Galboros. I definitely like the variety of new mini-bosses they brought here. It's actually wild how many new mechanics got brought up in so early in the game. The Invisibility Stone also debuted here. The concept is interesting and adds more to the game. This just gives more puzzly feel wherever they put those in. Lastly, there's Stage 2-5 with the Mr. Duder fight, and I like the concept of this guy. He's a desert entertainer, and he does some interesting attacks. My favorite being the Skull Juggle, just because. And World 2 as a whole is cohesive with the desert aesthetic music and enemies. There were a lot of fun ideas utilizing the theme for sure. World 3 is the Onion Ocean, and wow, I like the aesthetic of the overworld. You can tell it's going to transition from beach fun to an underwater diving adventure, and that's cool. Stage 3 one song is the Happy Mambo, which is a cover of Kind's theme, and it fits so well, giving a nice islander feel. The island feel comes off strong with the music and the coconut trees. What's funny is that Chili's here and Ice Kirby is as fun as always. There's also a nice gentle breeze with Parasol Kirby descending in this stage. There's a ton going on with Stage 3-1. It is the debut of many things. This is supposed to be the tutorial stage for Spear Kirby, but it gets overshadowed by, well, Mecha Kirby! Let's talk about Mecha first. Just like Sand, they came up with a ton of things to do with Mecha Kirby. The best thing is that Mecha Kirby is capable of doing all forms of damage except cutting and freeze. We can burn, we can grab, we can smack, and laser and electricity. So much going on here. 
I really enjoyed charging up the laser attacks and basically the Mega Buster. We'll talk about Spin 3 too. Let's talk about Snowball, the next super ability. That one is really cute. It's a very cute hat. And I love how Kirby flutters when he gets the power. It's so wild to see this power on a sunny island though. And Snowball is so entertaining as Kirby bowls everything over. I always enjoy demolishing the giant sandcastles with it too. That's so good. So Stage 3 2 continues the fun with the beginning of the deep dive as we go deeper into the ocean. Kibble Blade debuted here in this part of the game, and just a bigger, cooler Sir Kibble. Interesting fact, though, is some masks have powers. I'm going to talk about the masks now before we get to Magoland. I haven't talked about them yet because of that, but certain ones give powers. Kai's mask gives Kirby more air bubbles underwater, and so does the girl version as well. If you do normal, you shoot a normal single bubble. But if you get the Kai mask, it's a double blast, so that's really cool. So let's talk about Spear Kirby. Spear Kirby is cool since it's basically Kirby playing his Bandana D with all the spear throws and helicopter attacks. It's cool that we can go spear fishing with it. That's really nice to go underwater with that thing. And the Stomper Boot makes its debut in 3-2, and it's just so wild to see the boot from Super Mario Bros. 3 in a Kirby game. That's literally what it is. There's five things to say about 3-3, and one is that it's a fun deep ocean dive. Two, I actually like the idea of following the path up to see which button we should press in the ladder sections. Three, Mondo debuts here. And he's an alright take on a rock boss. Four, what the heck did this giant Flotso do to deserve being horribly murdered by Kirby? Because seriously, ouch, Kirby cooks them up real good. Giant Flotso looked really cute hiding under the ship, poor fella. And five, this stage has one of my favorite other dimensions. Following a giant star blast is pretty cool to do. Then we have three, four, which is a fine stage, but for some reason I really don't like a stroll on the ocean floor. The song's fine, but it just doesn't feel in theme with the area or with the other music in this area. This is the only time in the game I feel this way. I do enjoy the balloon bomb section. It's a fun idea having Kirby run around with a bomb and freak out a little when it gets close to exploding. And maybe I need to explain a little more with the stroll on the ocean floor. So everything just feels very, you're in the ruins, you're in the water, it's very damp and, and dark and everything. All that music's there. And then a stroll on the ocean floor is just more upbeat after everything you've been through. It's a weird sandwich where all the music feels appropriate, a stroll on the ocean floor happens, which doesn't feel appropriate to me. It's way too upbeat for what's happening, and then it goes back to the music that it was before. So it's just an odd placement for me. That's just how I feel about it. Then we have World 3's boss, Fatty Puffer, and they continue to trend of water bosses taking forever to die. You have, of course, Fatty Whale. We have Fatty Puffer here. You have that frog from, uh, was it Triple Deluxe or Robobot? I can't remember right now. Everyone hates these guys because they have all these background things so you can't kill them. And it continues here as well. The design itself is good, and it's an interesting big spectacle boss, but the fight can take a while because of all the background stuff and invincibility frames. World 3 does a great presentation of the water theme. We start at the beach and go to piers, and then deep dive into the underwater ruins. The music fits very well in my opinion, minus of course stroll on the ocean floor, and lots of fun ideas are done underwater. World 4 is white wafers, and it of course runs the Snowland theme. Unless I'm mistaken, 4-1 is the first stage to use cracklers, which are an interesting item gimmick. There's also the big cannon area that has become a regular thing since Kirby Superstar. I like Stage 4-2's usage of the background and the foreground snowmen. I always enjoyed this gimmick since it always makes us pay extra attention to the backgrounds of a stage. The rock slide section of 4-2 is also very fun spectacle-wise. Stage 4-2 is also the debut of the Grand Hammer, which I really enjoy. Since we've seen all five super abilities at this point, I'll say my favorite is Ultra Sword because of the spectacle it does, especially later, but in general, all five are fun. Snowball has really cute moments, Grand Hammer and Monster Flame have really cool moments, and the Spectacle Flare Beam is so fun. Lastly, 4-2 brings in the Electric Sphere Doomer, which is a fun fight. And there's nothing special to say about 4-3. Sorry, 4-3. 4-4 is definitely my favorite stage of World 4. The Ice Conveyor Belt sections are fast fun. Then we have the Prism Shield section item. 
which I forgot to mention in World 1. That one's pretty cool. The spectacle of the stage with the item is great. Then there's my favorite part where Snowball earns its name with all the bowling pin runovers. And then lastly, Snowman Kirby. That is so cute. Oh my god, that's so cute. Part 5 is really weird because of the ghosties. What the heck is that about? They're called Wapods and they're from Dreamland 3. The idea is that they're genie waddle dees, so that's interesting. Part 5 is interesting with all the dangerous moving platforms and lots and lots of doors as well. Lots of loads from that, though. World 4 bosses, Goriath is a wild one. There's no way Goku from Dragon Ball wasn't the inspiration. He's a monkey with lots of attacks, eventually doing a fireball and teleporting attacks, then going Super Saiyan and doing the Kamehameha stance. Are you kidding me? That's nuts. World 5 Nutty Noon does one of my favorite things that some Kirby games do, and that is the day goes from morning to night across the five stages as Kirby climbs a tall tower. Nothing special with 5-1 besides the fact Mary Magdalene's in the background. I'll mention this now, I think Mary Magdalene is a pocket time dimension. When we enter Mary Magdalene, it says it's at a different time and place. So Magdalene was brought to Popstar at the time of Kirby and crew helping Magalore to so Kirby sees that Magalore will eventually complete his dream of having a theme park, and this future Magalore is thankful for Kirby's help, which must make Magalore's betrayal later all the more confusing since that's the present one with Kirby and crew, and they have to beat him up, so maybe they don't beat him up as badly since they know about Mary Magoland. Maybe Kirby's kick to Magalore's ribs won't be as sharp because he knows he'll be nice in the future. I don't know, it's just weird. 5-2 has an amazing sunset as we see the edge of Popstar Sea since we're so high up, and this stage is pretty long, but I guess that makes sense since Kirby's climbing up so high. By the way, we know this place is the Sky Tower because that's the name of the song here. Then stage 5-3 has a lot of height as we continue to climb the tower. I like how vertical this stage is and all the ropes. I don't know why, but Kirby looks cute when he's using the rope to cross the stage. 5-3 also has the most skill-based gear to get in the game, and that is the high jump switch gear. That one for some reason takes a lot of effort for everybody, but eventually it's doable, and it's satisfying to get that gear, because woo. Stage 5-5 is one of my favorites because it's a mini boss rush stage. What's cool is it has the easter egg from Rainbow Resort and Kirby's Adventure where they did the same thing here. You have the entrance, and then there's a secret entrance a little bit higher. So depending on the entrance you do, is the boss rush fighting you do, and that is pretty cool. Both fights are pretty fun, but the main path is the debut of Dubois, which had me so excited because I was expecting UFO Kirby, and I'm so sad that wasn't the case. I really wanted UFO Kirby, just because I like that Kirby. World 5's boss is the Grand Doomer, and that is an interesting fight. It's yet another Doomer, but this one's bigger and stronger than the others. What's really fun is that when it turns into an Ultra Sword fight against the Grand Doomer, wrecking them with the Ultra Sword is really fun. I really like that part a lot. So for World 5, we start climbing the clouds, which leads to the Sky Tower, then continue to climb the tower until we get to the top, where they wage a strong defense against us, but ultimately fail, and we face the Grand Doomer at the top. I like that journey. Grand is a pretty okay fight, except for one thing, that is the super abilities to kill them. That part is really fun, I love that part. Ultimately, it makes sense that World 5 ended with a bunch of bosses, since this is the last stop before going to Halkandra with Magalore. The cutscene of Magalore bringing the four to Halkandra and getting shot down by Landy is pretty good. It shows us what we're up against and what our goal is for this next section of the game, so that's pretty cool there. I like that just like the opener, once again, Magalore looks down, but Kirby and crew assure him that they got this. Like, just repeating it a little bit, like, he's been shot down by Landia again, but they're here to help him again, like, they're not done. So, that's just an interesting echo there. World 6 Egg Engines is a wild place. The whole run is a journey through a ruined city and a factory. With 6-1, I like, again, the background, the foreground with the hammers trying to crush Kirby, Burning Bomb Bops with Monster Flame is also a fun time, and then you have Ice Sphere Doomer, which is here too, and it's uh, definitely the toughest one to deal with. 
6-2 is pretty fun with all the danger it has, like the spike squares, the ceiling presses, the blades in what I assume is coolant, and lots of crazy random hazards. 6-3 is a lot of fun at the start with the running conveyor belt section. Rush on the railway coaster is a good song for that. Really rewards fast reflexes the first time. There is a pretty good sense of speed here. The spectacle of flare beam destroying all those spikes in the boxes are pretty fun too. And I enjoyed having to fill all the star boxes as well. 6-4 is interesting conceptually having Kirby go through the sewers of this ruined place, but it can't be hygienic for the lad, oh my god. 6-5 is a real intense stage. With all the almost crushings Kirby goes through here, especially with the dedicated crushing stages, the song there is very appropriate. Gotta rush to not get crushed. There's another how room here as well, but I'll mention that later, of course. And the visibility stone section is pretty good. Now, World 6's boss fight with the Metal General is pretty cool. Good base fight with Form 1, then the background, the foreground stuff, and more complexity with second form is pretty great. Did you realize this guy was basically the Meta Knight fight? All that swordplay and hit and run attacking? Too bad for him that Kirby is great at fighting swordsmen. Overall, World 6 does the Factory Era theme very well, and the songs are good. And it's just got that good metal sound to it, so they did a good job in general with the sound. World 7 Dangerous Dinner is a hot place. And by the way, when did you realize all the stages spelled crowned? 7-1 is a whole volcano adventure. This place is bright and hot and gives me nostalgia for the fire levels in Kirby Superstar. I really enjoy the interaction water has with these stages. Being able to surf on lava is so cool. And the music here is so good, by the way. The spectacle of outrunning lava boulders is pretty great, too. The Kiti section was such a pain in the butt to do right, by the way. Oh, man. Snowball was once again a fun spectacle. Bowling over lava pins and then freezing a volcano. I love that so much. 7-2 starts interesting with the descending platform. There are so many crushing death and lava traps to deal with. This is really the final world. I enjoy the Grand Hammer section. It makes us feel smarter as we realize how we tackle this stage. Here's how kids feel about it. As it should be, the other dimension is pretty tough too with all the moving parts that can be crushing us. And the third and last Hell Room is here, as, by the way, as well. 7-3 is pretty cool with how harrowing it is. Feels like we're trying to avoid little suns trying to melt us. Aside from all the hard, scary suns coming at us, there's a lot of item usage here with the boot, then prism shield elevator, and then a dangerous journey with a key. Lastly, the Ultra Sword section showing just how powerful Ultra Sword Kirby is. Wrecking lots of mini-bosses with the Ultra Sword is way too much fun. But the best spectacle of all is cutting a volcano in half. That is so good. I love that one so much. That is crazy. The other dimension is also scary with all the sun, so that's fun. Then getting Festival Kirby at the end is also very fun. It is surprising to have a boss fight at 7-4, but it's also fine because the game has gone pretty long by this point, and they did just throw a ton of difficulty at us. Nandia is a cool idea for a boss fight, a four-headed dragon that then splits into four separate dragons to fight. I wish I could have seen the spec of this fight as a 4v4. Overall, World 7 fits the theme well, and it's very entertaining with its music and gameplay. It's all volcanoes. After Landia goes down, we get the Great Betrayal cutscene. I love DDD's face every time, even with this new version of him. Magalore explaining everything after he transforms is so good. I like how Landia wakes up and pushes Kirby crew to action. And the four Landias are just so cute. What comes next is one of my favorite parts. Level 8, Another Dimension with the song Fly Kirby is one of my favorite songs ever. I also have always enjoyed the shooting sections in Kirby games. Everything about this level is awesome. R-type style moving and shooting while dodging terrain and the spectacle of it all, so good. Then the fight with the lore. It's a cool but eventually predictable fight. Cool to see Meta Knight bat Austin with Magalore's attacks in the cutscene, but too bad to see him overwhelmed like everyone else before the final battle. And the final battle is, of course, amazing. Look at the stage! A burning floor? Big crown Magalore attacking you? Some kind of glowing sphere in the background? And something else shining above? Then as the fight progresses, we have to deal with a black hole, a Kamehameha, spike attacks, tri-daka attacks, and more? Then the HP bar fighting with super abilities to hurt Crown Magalore? 
On top of that, there has been great music during this whole fight. The spectacle of this fight is so good, and I love how it ends with a beam struggle. Ultra Sword Kirby Slash versus Magalore Magic, ending with a huge Ultra Sword Slash. But of course that couldn't be the end. There's always another form, and seeing the eye? Something Dark Matter related? Again? Oh snap. Personally, I don't have a problem with Dark Matter being related to so much stuff. Dark Matter is a huge evil force in the universe after all. It's gonna be everywhere. The Crown Song is, of course, very good. Are you kidding me? This fight is pretty cool with basically all the previous attacks, but bigger and scarier. The background, the foreground, shape attack is really cool. The design of both forms of Magalore are pretty good, but the second form is just so good. The looming smile that reveals actually the eye of the Dark Matter? That is just very good. That's the chef kiss right there. Then there's the ending. Kirby and crew kill Magalore and escape from the crumbling other dimension with the help of the Lorenlandia. It looked really desperate for a minute there. I really enjoy the triumphant music as they make their escape, ending with Kirby and crew waking up on Popstar and going back to their lazy fun days. And they have no idea that Magalore has survived and is going to be dealing with his own trials. The last moments as Landy and Lore leave Kirby and his crew wave by is also what brings a tear to my eye. It's just such a good triumphant moment, and I'm just so happy and satisfied by that point. The credits are pretty sweet seeing snapshots of the adventure, and then seeing Landy and Lore flying together at the end, and of course the last moment is the crew waving at us, and that's so good. So overall, story mode is of course awesome, it's not too difficult, but the spectacle and the marrying of ideas throughout the story is so much fun to play through. The presentation of what makes Kirby so special is solidly shown. Cute characters, fun spectacle, and well-made stages, awesome music, and of course, great boss battles. Lastly, the thing I like about Kirby games with the story is it always ends with a nightmare. You have a pleasant dream at the start, it gets rough, becomes a nightmare at the end, and then Kirby wakes us up out of it because that is who Kirby is, the hero who stops the nightmares. So now that we've finished the main story, let's focus on one of the big things about the game. Let's talk about the visuals. Some people don't like this more strongly defined look, but I like it. I think the thick black outline look gives the game a distinct look, and it really pops. All the bosses look great in the style for sure, especially the epic final bosses. The visuals, the design, the aesthetic, everything when it comes to seeing is great in this game. And we should also talk about King Dedede's redesign. It's fine. It's good. I like it. I don't know why people hate it so much. King Dedede gets redesigned all the time. I love that about him. It's just so funny. By the way, talking to Magalore throughout story mode is pretty fun. Learn a lot of random lore and things about Magalore. And of course, you learn a lot more from Magalore in EX, but more on that later. One more, by the way. I really enjoyed the trials of Magalore's ship. The final trial, though? Oh man, that's a toughie was so proud to gold that one. Using every item in a big long trial was something else. Starting with the boot where we need to do a perfect jump every time, then the crackly which requires perfect aim and platforming and reaction time, then the key puzzle which can be easily messed up, then the invisibility stone section which can be a little tricky, followed by another boot section with a big scary ball you gotta ride on, and lastly the big bomb platforming section. This trial was a real test alright. Wow. Alright, let's talk about the arena real quick. It's pretty straightforward. You get the boss rush, all the bosses, and it's fun to fight them again. Of course, you don't get the story level kind of things with certain fights, but it's just fun going through them with all the powers and whichever ones you want to try, and feeling really accomplished when you can beat it with just base Kirby. The more fun version, of course, is the true arena, which will happen later on. Now let's talk about the power set. First, the powers that were here from the original. The returning powers are all good, and even got a couple new additions to them. Of course, I wish we got Suplex again, but there are so many good powers from the past. Like, my favorite is Parasol. I'm happy to see that again. It's great to see Tornado and High Jump again. High Jump is so rare. Those powers don't get a lot of play, and they're just so fun. So there were four new powers. Leaf, Spear, Water, and Whip. All are great. It's awesome you get to basically be a second bandana D with Spear. 
Leaf and Whip are cute powers, while Water is so fun to see how versatile it is. I already talked about the super abilities, but they're so fun and well executed in their spectacle. Something cool to realize, and I'll talk about it now when it comes to presentation, is that every stage is geared with one to two powers in mind and really showcases them once you realize that. A good example is why you usually see the new deluxe power Sand where Whip is, because items can be behind barriers where only Whip can reach, but Sand can do that too, and so that's an example there. Also again, I'm glad they added its festival, it's a very cute power. In general, the powers of a great variety, and especially what you can do with them, is so much fun and well executed. Love it so much. So now we're going to talk about the epilogue, and the theme song Magalore's epilogue is so good. Wow, is that a good song. And the title Interdimensional Traveler is pretty good. Like, if you didn't realize it, although there were a couple clues that he goes between dimensions, this makes it very clear. Especially needs to be made clear considering how this all ends. Because the only clues you got was just level 8 being called another dimension, and then of course the dimension jumping with the uh, sphere doomers, but nothing really says they're in another dimension necessarily, we just know it is eventually from playing through. But yeah, it's interesting that how Conjure's in another dimension. Like, we thought we were just portaling to another planet, but no, it's a dimension hop, so that's a whole different story right there. Dimensions might be different in Kirby's universe than it is to how we see dimensions, but that's a dialogue for another time. So Magalore's epilogue actually takes place after EX Story, and we know this because the opening cutscene of the epilogue shows EX Magalore being defeated, not Main Star Magalore. When Magalore was defeated, he faded into the sky, and turns out when that happened, he got sucked into another dimension, and his defeat at the hands of Kirby and crew were robbed him of all of his powers as well. This reduces Magalore to rags, and when he realizes this, Magalore becomes depressed. We see his sadness, and then learn we need to gather magic points for Magalore to reclaim his power eventually. The level up system for Magalore is pretty cool, and I love the combo system. I really wish we got to do the combo system with the Kirby crew too, but sadly that doesn't happen. It is interesting seeing Magalore with very little power here, considering we know what he can do eventually because of being a dream friend in Star Allies, Kirby Fighters 2 gameplay, and Return to Dreamland. And personally, I'm happy to see Magalore struggle. This is what he gets for getting drunk on power and trying to destroy Popstar and for tricking Kirby. Something cool is that we can play this mode with four players, but of course this will be treated as a single player story because, yeah, I don't have one to play with. Interestingly, the other three Magalores are, well, other Magalores. At least we could believe that because of an image Kumazaki used to represent the four Magalores, and two of them were female, which I find very interesting. These are the Magalores from other dimensions who are stuck here too. There's a lot of implications there, but it's a lot less confusing if it's just one Magalore. So after a little bit of travel and learning the game, we find the first fruit piece and get a stage clear evaluation, and Magalore ends up at an altar, and there we see the fruit piece means something, and we learn the Magalore Bomb, which is one of my favorite attacks in this game. I personally really enjoy the dialogue of Magalore talking to himself about his upgrades. It shows a lot of Magalore's personality, and that's really cool. That's something to really appreciate, and is why he's such a fan favorite, because he's just this mischievous little guy, and there's a lot of character to him. If we got dialogue with Marx, I think he'd be even more popular than he is, but Marx is very popular on his own as well. So we first end up in the Arrow Green Dimension, and it's three levels and a boss fight. It's interesting to see that the enemies come from the other dimension, and also having how Conjuring D's here. And various characters that we thought we were only going to see in Popstar, like Brown Bird of all things. The music, by the way, is amazing. Something I enjoy about the epilogue is how we progress in power. At first, everything is slow and challenging for Magalore, but as we gain more power, we're able to clear everything faster and rack up more points. What's also enjoyable is how we gain these points. Combos and lots of enemy rush rooms, I like that a lot. There's also the ordeal rooms, which are fun trials that require specific upgrades, and they're all good challenges and the music is great too. The overworld itself is also fun to go through as we progress to each stage, and there's a lot of little secrets hidden in these places. And then we eventually find the Hell Room too, which I'll talk about later, of course. 
The big standouts to mention from Arrow Green Dimension is gotta be the level 3 heart ordeal, with all the fireballs being launched your way and the boss. Electricity! Mr. Duder. He's a harder Duder. I like that this Duder has more tricks up his sleeve and he's really is tricky. They really gave him the electricity theme and his best attack has to be that lightning hat. It's just so cool. Magalore then gets another piece of the fruit for the ethereal altar and we unlock Magalore's best attack. His Magalore Surge. Which is also needed to unlock Area 2 and Magalore Cannon. AKA Kamehameha. Like really, the Surge is just so good. Just freaking psycho crushing around. He's very strong with that, especially fully upgraded. So let's talk about Magalore's attacks. At first he can only do single ball blasts, struggle to float, a basic shield, and magical bombs. In Area 2, Magalore has now gained his dash and a Kamehameha, and the dash is so good. Arrow Green Dimension was true to its name. It was windy and green place, that's it. Area 2 is Pyred Dimension, and it is very pyro hot and red. Something like his Area 2 1 has Gordos and Corridors to force us to learn that surge can go through hazards. And that's good because it's very useful when keeping your combo going. 2-2 brings us in in an interesting concept we've never done in Kirby before, defending an object. <laughs> Here we defend four magical bulbs from enemies, and surprisingly the King Do one isn't too hard to defend. Level 2-4 has the song Scattered Souls Across Isolated Isles, and it's a pretty good song. It's interesting to see Magalore have to deal with chasing a wall like Kirby did in the other dimension in the main game, but I'm here for it. It's fun to have that again. And just like Electricity Duder, which is such a fun name, Fiery Puffer is a good improvement on the main mode boss for the most part. The only problem is the fight takes forever even more than regular Puffer because of all the invincibility attacks and the background bowl attack. Still, the big fire breath attack is really cool. With a third fruit piece, Magalore gains the Deadly Needle and Dimensional Vanish attacks. Both are great, and we did see them in Kirby Fighters 2 and in the main mode with boss Magalore, so it's cool to see these again. They're very cool. It's fun being Magalore as he gains more powers. That sense of regression is really nice and pretty quick in this mode. The third area, possibly Dimension, is very blue, alright, and cold. Just like the last few dimensions, the music fits their areas very well. Aerogree was a breezy cool music, Pirate had a fiery heat to the music, and now Pasa Blue has cold wintry music. The biggest standout to this dimension is level 2 shield ordeal. Having to shield and survive through a ton of Gordos is a wild spectacle. B4 is also a wild one with Nagalore being chased by the dimensional wall while rushing across a beach? Also, what are all these Popstar residents doing here? These other dimensions are very weird. And Pasa Blue's boss, Hydriath, aka Water Goku, is an improvement on Goriath. His water ball and teleport attacks are tricky to deal with. On top of that, he does multi-fireballs and a giant water death ball. This is so wild to see, but he can't take a Kamehameha to the face. Good to know. Good to know. With the fourth fruit, Magalore gains his most dangerous ability, Black Hole. Boy, is that attack strong. Still like Kamehameha more, though. By the way, something funny about Kamehameha is he giggles after he does it, which I always find funny. So Lacandra Dimension is unlocked, and guess we're done doing colors. So at this point I can ask, when did you realize the title is spelling apple? Makes sense since fruit is what he's looking for and it looks like an apple. Generally, Locandra is just more fun fighting and platforming and then we get to 4-3 and another boss rush. And I do enjoy those boss rushes. Like the other last stages of a dimension, Magalore has outrun the dimensional wall and it's a fun challenge. A level 6 trickery ordeal is a great challenge testing everything we know about Magalore's abilities and it's a good time. I'm really glad that level exists. And I like Locandra's boss, which is the rampaging Doomers for a fun fight. Having so much coming at Magalore and dodging it all at once while blasting with the Doomers, that is really fun. So much fun, especially when we catch multiple with a big blast. That is a very good time. Black holding all four at once, big bonus points. 
Then we get the fifth and final apple piece and unlock the ethereal altar. The combining of the five fruit pieces into a giant gem apple is pretty cool. And then comes the crown doomer, and wow, that fight is way better than the grand doomer in my opinion. Lots of dangerous attacks and tricky attacks too. All big beam blasts and such are just so cool. But of course the crown doomer wasn't going to be the end, and the real end is, wow, I didn't see that coming. Because of course you're asking, where's Wispy? We haven't fought Wispy yet. Well, now we're fighting Wispy. Master Crown Wispy, oh my god. Master Crown on a tree as the final boss was unexpected, and the fight is so epic. Like, it takes a while because you can't hit him in the background, but those tendrils are what you hit, and it's just huge tendrils teleporting at you. That is so cool. The music is a nice take on Magalore's boss theme, too. The song is called Mistilatine, Tree Crowned Without a Ruler. This song utilizes five other songs, Crowned, Magalore's theme, Road to Victory, The Ordeal, and a song from a certain game. This fight is so epic in so many ways and shows Magalore's redemption fight is at hand. This fight is even more epic than Kirby's fight with Magalore, in my opinion. It's just so cool. It's so crazy. And one last thing to mention about the epilogue is the final stage we unlock after beating the game. It is an awesome trial of skill for Magalore players. It is a long stage that tests our skills and everything. There are so many close calls where we almost get beat because of the chasing wall and the variety of things to fight and blast through. But the final reward of Magalore spelled out for you to destroy with a Kamehameha is pretty cool. Too bad for the Broomhatter, though. They're only doing their job to clean up the place. Now, I must admit I did lose a few times against the Master Crown and platinumed a bunch of stages and leveled up Magalore before I finally beat this dang tree. It had so many amazing attacks, I especially loved the big laser dodging section. I always love good background and foreground work. And of course, finally defeating the tree is amazing. Magalore pulling out a sword and then turning into a giant sword was pretty dang epic. He even got his own beam struggle against the tree, Will versus Will, until Magalore cuts it down the middle. That was so good, by the way. He definitely learned that from Kirby, when he did it to him. <laughs> so with the defeat of the sin he created, Magalore is relieved to see a portal different from the others, a portal that will help Magalore go home. If we pay attention, we see Magalore shudder with relief and cry tears, which he then wipes away before jumping into the portal. I honestly teared up a little seeing Magalore's relief. I am definitely a Magalore hater because he betrayed Kirby, but this certainly softens my heart. That was so good. Then the credits happen and those are very good, summarizing Magalore's trials as the gem apple floats into the sky. Credits also show there's a howl room somewhere. And then we get the final image for the credits. Magalore ended up in Team Kirby Clash Deluxe? Super Kirby Clash? With a gem apple seed and he starts selling his wares there in that universe? Are you kidding me? Honestly, some of us actually knew this already, but it's still a great surprise. In an interview after Team Kirby Clash Deluxe released, Kumazaki said this Magalore was the mainline Magalore. So that's just crazy to have it confirmed in a game, though. The clue was also there with those games as well. Magalore changes back to his blue clothing when you 100% buy all of his items. He even hints what he's going to do to Kirby when he gets back. Like, that's pretty cool. So Magalore's epilogue was an amazing treat for Kirby fans for sure, especially Magalore fans, of course. And I'm really happy I got to play that. That was a great epilogue, and I hope we get more epilogues in the future. It'd be nice to see a uh, Taranza one, and it'd be nice to see one for Susie. I would love that so much. I don't know if I ever had that, but I would love that. I really would. So with the completion of the two main game modes, let's talk about music since we've heard nearly everything by this point. The music is amazing, of course. Let's talk about the composer. So Hirokazu Ando, of course, is the Blue Note. 97 songs. He did the bulk. Yuki Shimoka Green only did 20 songs. Not as much, but they still were serviceable here. Junshikawa is the Pink Red Note. They did 63, so still plenty of music. Yoshi Hazemoto, which is white, is 23. That's a new one, and it's very interesting that they have some new people here. And then you have Yuta Ogusawara with yellow for one song, and that of course is an extra mode. 
And then Yuki Kato is new, and they did no music, so they have to have done just sound effects, so that's interesting. So the old masters Ando and Ishikawa still did the bulk of this game. Of course, they were reprising songs they did from Return to Dreamland, which was a long time ago. But some songs went to other composers, so that's cool. Yoshi Hazumoto is from Vanpool, and they did remixes for lots of the title themes for the minigames in Magaland. That's mostly what they did. Yukishimoka got to work on some new songs like Magalore's Tome Tracker's title and Secret Title. Most notable for me is the staff credits music by them. Distant Shining Yellow Star. It's so good. It's my favorite song for sure. Well, there's a lot of favorite songs, but I really like that one. So Yuta Ogasawara song. Uh, I'll mention it when we're an extra, like I said already. And then one must wonder, though, if Shimoka is working on the next Kirby project or not. Same thing for Ogasawara, because they only did so little here. And of course, like I said before, Yuki Kanto I'm curious about, because this is their only credit, and they don't have a musical note. So it's got to be sound effects. Overall, the music is amazing, of course. There's just so many good songs. Are you kidding me? Music has never disappointed in the Kirby catalog, ever, and it still continues forward here. Very good. Of course, the things we should focus on are like the new stuff, so Tome Trackers, Dimensional Traveler, old music is of course still good, remade very nice, but just, wow, there's a lot of good stuff. Oh right, Shimaoka also worked on Ordeal, which is my new favorite of mine. That's a very good one, it's a very good song. And as far as sound effects go, it all sounds fine to me, no sound effects seemed off. I did of course dislike this placement of that one song, that was from Jun Ishikawa, by the way. I just don't like that song, I just don't, I, well I like the song, I just don't like its placement, that's it. So now let's go over the main story EX. This will be a shorter section since we'll mostly be talking about the differences, which is generally less HP, the stages are slightly more difficult in formation, and the bosses are harder with more HP and moves. EX story is of course the true mode for some players since some players think that uh, Kirby games are too easy, and EX story definitely does put up the difficulty a bit more and is more punishing to sloppy play. I did die a bit more in EX story for sure, but still didn't have too much difficulty in general. First difference to mention is there's no Magalore helper, which is too bad, but makes sense since we're in a harder mode now. And if I didn't mention it before, you can try to turn on Magalore mode in the main story after he betrays you, and it tells you that he's too busy right now to do that, which of course it is. Oh my god. So let's just go down the line real quick on stages and the bosses as a whole, since the differences are mostly broad strokes and bosses. I do like that there's a color difference with bosses, by the way, so that you know it's EX. So Cookie Country is generally the same, just harder. Sphere Duma EX is so much better than regular, it's faster, more aggressive, and just gives us more trouble to deal with. Also, what the heck is with that single eye? What, I guess it's just to be different, that's it. Wispy Woods EX is generally faster and shoots more attacks out more often. The Tendril Attack and Poison Apples are a big stand-up, but the poor tree still goes down like regular Wispy. Raisin Ruins just slightly harder. The Fire Sphere Doomer EX is definitely harder. They throw out a lot more fire and generally attack faster. Mr. Duder EX is way better though, he's big, red, and angry. Also he has a sweet mustache. The big difference is the flaming skulls and his big fire fist attacks. A pretty cool improvement. Onion Ocean is just as fun with big stand-up being 3 theory with its water wind tunnel section having way more goros to deal with. It's a much more intense run. Fatty Puffer EX is much harder to deal with since it has all those invincibility frames and attacks a bit like Fiery Puffer. He's annoying but eventually goes down like always. Oh yeah, I didn't mention the X-Trials. I was very surprised to discover those were harder too, which is cool though. Making the challenge even more challenging was very fun. I really felt like a master of Kirby after clearing those. Then there's White Wafers. Just as fun with 4-4 being the standout with the uh, fun snow treadmill parts being a good challenge. Goriath the X is wild for sure. The coolest thing about him though is that he summons the Spirit Bomb. Holy crap, is that insane? And they really did just add Goku. That's really what happened there. I haven't really talked about the other dimensions that much, but they did get much harder in EX and I appreciate that. Kirby definitely has more trouble getting through all those stages, which feels rewarding. Also, fighting the Lightning Spear Doomer is a good challenge. 
Nutty Noon is more fun, and I need to talk about 5-5. Five five. I didn't tell you about this in the main story section, but Nutty Noon 5-5 five five has four different songs depending on the path we take. If we go regular path, we get Crash Mid-Boss Tower, but if we take the alternate path, you get Versus Model Tank. Then in EX, you get Macho of Deity for regular path, Freaking Star Allies song, that's crazy, or History of Kirby Fighters in the alternate path. I love that so much, so many good songs to fight to, that's great. Now the Grand Doomer EX is just a better fight, and I prefer the red to the gold look. He just moves so much faster and is more aggressive with the fireballs. It's a good fight, I still love how we use super abilities to break them. Egg Engines is way harder as it should be, there's just more obstacles and the crushes feel like they move a lot faster. And I could just be crazy with that last part, but they do. Every stage in Egg Engines is less forgiving and that's a good sense of challenge because of it. I died so many times at the end of 6-2 with the key and platforming, oh my god. 6-3's treadmill section was exhilarating with the added speed and difficulty, it felt so good to go through it. Metal General EX was, of course, awesome. Stronger attack pattern, and then HRD3 went from Meta Knight to a Giant King DDD mech? Are you kidding me? Also, it's the mech from freaking the, the GameCube game that got cancelled? Are you kidding me? It was so cool to fight them, and then the second form? Roar of DDD? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, that was great. The first form was more fun to fight, though, but that music was awesome. Heck of a slug fighting four forms all together if you don't lose at any point. But it was a lot of fun overall. Easily my favorite surprise in this game besides the Howl Rooms, the True Arena, and Magoland Masks. And we'll get to those soon. Dangerous Dinner is really tough and requires patience, but all it takes is four or five mistakes to get taken out. Oh my god. Lava hurts. And it shows up a lot. And there's a ton of enemies well placed to make the lava harder to avoid as well. Still, I love the Frozen Volcano part in 7-1, because of course. The other dimension in 7-1 is also really challenging, and I got kicked out at least a dozen times. The X-Frozen Sphere Doomer is also not friendly at all. So 7-3 is still a great challenge with all the item sections and the Volcano Cut in Half part, it's still awesome. And we really feel pressured in Helcondra for sure. 7-3's other dimension also ramps things up with Double Sphere Doomers, and Landia EX is just as fun, but more dangerous than regular Landia to fight. Level 8 is fun with more intensity, which is what I want from an R-type section, so that was perfect. The boss fight with the lore is even better here in the Axe mode because of just the more attacks they bring out and it gets faster and just the variety. Eventually you can predict them all, but it's still a fun fight. Also, I didn't mention they utilize 2D and 3D. It's really cool how they utilize space in this fight. Regular Final Boss Magalore was a lot of fun to fight, and EX Magalore is even more fun since he ramps up the intensity and difficulty. It was a joy beating his ass, honestly. <laughs> then, of course, we have the best main story fight of the game, Magalore Soul. So the stakes feel so high and they throw so much stuff at us. Also, Magalore Soul is dense as heck, so the fight takes a while. The fight really uses up the screen and requires us to become masters of the dodge roll. I do wish the game forced that a little more in previous stages, but that might be fine to only make the end this tough for kids. But wow does Magalore Soul bring the intensity, and the difficulty just goes way up with all the super ability attacks they bring in. Especially the Ice Hammer. Now that's a deadly move. If you get caught blocking at the wrong time in that move, you just get chipped down and that sucks. Though unfortunately for Magalore Soul, Sand Kirby is OP as heck and oh my god. Sand Castle Mines and Sand Pile dodges for days with that fight. Finally, Magalore is beaten in submission and his soul is free, for a time of course. So, if you didn't know, when this game came out originally, people thought Magalore was just dead, like Mark's? And then a year later, the anniversary game came out and Magalore was back, and people were like, oh hey, he's back, and that was cool. So just imagine how it was then, like, you just, you just thought he was dead, you thought Kirby killed him. Well, of course, you know he's not dead, and we already did the epilogue, but... It's just interesting how that fight was. So after awesome end credits, we see Kirby is supposed to talk to Magalore as the last image in the credits, because we see a picture of Kirby talking to Magalore at a ship. So let's talk about lore in general. 
Lore is always fun to read, and Magalor gave so much back in 2011, and even more now. My understanding is Magalor gave even more lore in Deluxe, and I never finished the original, so I can't say what's new or not. But in general, the lore is fun to learn. Especially talking with Magalor on the lore. Said lore so many times, by the way, oh my god. So, from the pawn screen, we learn a lot of interesting and fun things, like Mr. Duder is fiery this time because he's pissed, or that Metal General is a guard who is eternally protecting his dead factory. That was just the last order. That's unfortunate. Another postcard hints that the lore has a mind of its own, and we do see that when it flies away together with Landy, like, how else is it flying? The most interesting postcard for me has to be the true Arena Magalore Soul screen, I'll tell it now. These screens are always interesting, but I feel like they have to be canon because of what they say in them. And this one is a direct message from Magalore asking Kirby to free them so they can someday return and play with Kirby again. That one is very interesting. So Magalore on the ship is interesting because he tells us he actually isn't from Halkandra, but this is for sure Halkandra, which is crazy. Since Halkandra is so important to tons of lore, we learned that lore is definitely from Halkandra and that they made Nova as well over there. So what the heck happened to this super advanced civilization? We won't get into it here, but we do know Star Allies gives us more clues. And we also learned from Magalore that someone told him about Kirby out in space, and that Kirby would be willing to help him, and that Kirby is gullible and easy to trick, and that has to be Marks. Who else could it possibly be but Marks? Now, I can't remember what part of the game has the dialogue, but at some point Magalore mentions how annoying it is that Kirby keeps helping him without any ulterior motive. He hates how Kirby is just so easy to trust, and so easy to manipulate, and just how friendly he is. We also learned an amusement park is his greatest dream, and good for him he achieves that in Deluxe. And lastly, I'll need to find the dialogue, but Magalore is amazed at Kirby's kindness. That Kirby would just help him because that's who Kirby is. And I like that we have the hint of Magalore's betrayal, but also that Magalore is being affected by Kirby's kindness as well. But it is too little too late since Magalore goes for the crown, and luckily for Magalore and his fanbase, he survives the absolute mud stomping he gets from Kirby and crew. So let's talk about the true arena now. It's awesome, of course, and certain powers are OP there. It's an amazing sense of achievement beating it as base Kirby, though. It is awesome going through and defeating all the bosses in one go, and I love it so much. Of course, we gotta talk about Galactonite. What is that build-up song, though? It feels so out of place. It's, it's just like Galactonite, I guess. The fight itself is awesome. At first, Galactonite fights like a tougher Meta Knight with a run-up and dodge attacks and lots of slashes. But then the second form, with lots of cool attacks and that heavy metal music? Oh my god. Hells to the yeah. Galactonite really is the strongest warrior for a reason. The challenge of defeating them is so much fun. One of the most rewarding fights in Kirby in general. He's kind of like the Lubu of Kirby games, honestly. We'll talk about the True Arena Soul Magalore fight in a bit. So now that we've finished the True Arena, let's talk about gameplay. The gameplay in Kirby's Return to Dreamland Deluxe is tight in everything. We haven't talked about Merry Magoland yet, but the minigames there are very responsive and they need to be considering how much precision you need to succeed in a lot of them, like Crackety Hack and the Ninja Dojo. Something really cool about the Joy-Cons with the Switch here is you can shake the Joy-Cons for controls. So you can shake it with Needle Kirby and he'll shoot out his Needle attack, or you can use that to build up Spark, so you don't have to worry about blocking and shaking. You can just do it while fighting. So that's really cool right there. I like that that's a thing you can do. The tight controls show off very well in the speed sections of the game, like in Egg Engine 6-3. Kirby feels like a very fast boy here and rewards quick reaction time. He feels faster than Sonic at certain points, honestly. Because the controls are so good, so when you do the uh, challenges in the lore, when you make a mistake and fail, it feels like it's on us. It doesn't feel like it's on the game, it feels like it's on us, and I like that a lot. That really makes it feel like a skill issue, not the game being an issue, and that's nice. Kirby gameplay in general is considered on the easier side, but EX makes up for that and creates good challenge. Besides, there's also the spectacle side of gameplay, which I keep talking about. Two abilities are a great example of spectacle that makes us feel powerful, and that is a fun aspect of gameplay as well. Because that's the thing, people forget. 
not all gameplay is about challenge. Some gameplay is just about enjoying the spectacle. Enjoying doing something. Like Godzilla games, where you're just running around destroying buildings. That's the fun of it, destroying buildings. Not the challenge of taking on the military. That is what it is, and people forget that. Not everything's like Dark Souls, where you have to just get really good at playing. Some games are like Lego, where you're just having fun just messing around. Sometimes it feels like wanting difficulty is an elitist thing, but some people just enjoy difficulty. There is two sides of that coin, though, for sure. So now it's about time we talked about the last section, Mary Magoland. It is awesome, of course, and there's so much to do. There's looking for the hidden Magalore stickers, then there's filling up the stamp rally to get rewards. Just look at how big the place is and how rewarding it is. As we complete the 100 missions, we get statues and masks, and as we complete the story, we get bosses to show up too. That's really cool. So Magoland is well linked to the main game, and I hope we get stuff like this again in the future for sure. Mentioning Samurai 100 Kirby right now real quick, the spectacle defeating dozens of players in one go is pretty fun and hilarious, and I love it so much. That was a great addition. Just hilarious. I thought it was April Fool's joke. It's not, it's real, and that is fun. The manager Magalore facts are a great carryover from Forgotten Land with WiseD. I'm happy to learn how well I'm doing in the world and what the records are for various things. Gives a sense of how the community is doing, especially playing at release. Learning how many poor Waddle Dees had a bad day due to Kirby in just the first 24 hours since launch was surprising. Poor guys, they got wrecked the first day. The Magaland Tour was a great idea as well. Playing a variety of minigames as a Grand Prix is great because maybe we're bad at this one game, but we're good at this other game, so we have a chance of coming back and winning in the long run. That's cool. The achievement missions were pretty tough, but fair. Even the really hard last missions were doable. Some were tedious, like being perfect and cracking hack three times in a row, or beating hard mode on uh, Samurai Kirby two times in a row. That's really hard, but they were eventually doable. I was surprised we didn't have to do a perfect 30 in A capture, though. That is very forgiving. Extremely forgiving, because people lost their minds trying to get 30. So now let's talk about the minigames and 100% the game and masks and all that, and of course the stamp rally cards. And first up, we're gonna talk about the games in the top left corner order, go down to the bottom right corner road, that's the order we're gonna do. So, A-Catcher is a silly game, and it's hilarious, and I love that when we finish with Kirby and King DDD, they spit the eggs out, that's so, so funny. Imagine the horror if Meta Knight and Bandana D did it too, that would be hilarious. Getting 30 eggs is so hard. I know this one made a lot of people unhappy, but it's a fun, simple minigame though, and it looks great in this game, I like it. Just really test your reaction times. A lot of these do, just like, of course, the next one, Samurai Kirby. Not a game for old men. Oh no, this took a lot of tries. Reaction time just is ridiculous at the highest difficulty. It's fun seeing all the weapons that come out and interesting to see the multiplayer version. Like I said, Samurai Kirby is very funny. And just the, the, the fighting with the samurais is just funny, especially Magalore hits you with the lore. That is ridiculous. Magalore's Tone Trackers is a great new game. I really enjoyed this one and the song is cute. Magalore is a professor and having to chase down all the books with the fastest reflexes is very rewarding. Checkerboard Chase is my favorite minigame in general. The insane and intense last difficulties are so fun. This is the best multiplayer game in my opinion for sure. Just crazy fun. Bomb Rally is the silliest game. Hitting a bomb back with a frying pan? That is just too silly and I love it. There's some skill here but wow is it nuts if we can get a good rally going. Crackity Hack is a fun precision game. Thankfully controls are tight and we're rewarded with a confused Waddle Dee after we crack the planet in half. That is always funny to me. It's a simple game, but the spectacle is very fun. Smash Ride is interesting. I feel like this one could be very strategic. It's fun bonking people off the map, and we really feel it when we get bonked right back. Bowling Blasters definitely feels rewarding to skill, but it's the most feel-bad game in the set. You can really pick on someone, and that's just so mean. The Kabula cameo is awesome though, and being able to strategically shoot straight or lob is a big thing for a game like this. 
This is definitely the most complex minigame, and I'm happy they made it. It's just good. Trophy on the Draw is a fun reaction to aim and shoot game, and it's just cute and rewarding, and I enjoy that one a lot. And then there's Ninja Jojo. Ninin! Reaction and timing. Getting lots of bullseyes is so rewarding, and Ninja Magalore is so fun to see. I really enjoy that game. The plethora of minigames, and then having Magalore Tour on top makes all these minigames so fun. They really set a strong standard for future minigame sets with Merry Magaland for sure. Last thing to say about Mary Magalon has got to be the mask and stamp rally cards, and 100%ing the theme park as well. The masks are, of course, wonderful, and I love that they make noises. Even with 86 masks, there's just so many more we could get, but I love the ones that we did get. I could not stop wearing the Waddle Dee mask because they keep making Kirby go Wanya, which I love so much. I love the mask for the girls because it just gave us another look for them. Focused Adeline was hilarious. Alternate hair ribbon is so cute. And hello, weekend outfit Susie. Kirby wearing his own mask was also kind of hilarious. There was also some interesting lore gains, like getting girl versions for Rick and Kind and seeing Koo as just a solo bachelor was interesting. Old friend mask? The mask of Jeronia has got to be the craziest one to see. We assume Magalore made all these masks, so how does he know this? How do you know about Taranza's whatever she was to him, Sectonia? How'd you know she was Jeronia? And how does Taranza feel about that? I also liked how cute Smiling Elflin was. There are a lot of good masks there. I like... Just all of them. There's so much lore there. There's so much history there. How did Magalore know these? It's just crazy. The stamp rally cards are so cute. There's six of them and first one is my favorite, but I love them all. Kirby cutely holding a ticket and a mask while Bandana D is also holding one. It's so cute. Seeing the whole Kirby crew introduced to the mask with the second card. Magalore and his team the third card and them designing the park and masks in the fourth card. Also cute. A different art style of Kirby and his crew with their masks is great. And look at the blush on Meta Knight on the fifth one. And the sixth and last card is just so cool. It's nice how these stamps unlock masks and give items for the main game. It's a great addition to the game for sure. And lastly, 100%ing the missions is a lot of work, but wow, getting a statue every 10 missions is pretty cool. And the celebration at the end is just so good. I'm so satisfied with the minigames. It's just great. So now that we've played everything in the game, let's talk about presentation. And of course, there's no better example of marriage of visual sound and gameplay than a boss fight. So let's go a little more in-depth on the Magalore and True Arena Magalore Sulfites. First up, Magalore with the Master Crown. We get this cool-looking background, and then Magalore appears with a close-up, and the music plays like a coronation. And then the fight gets started. The music is titled Under My Control, and this song is all about the crown and Magalore's oppressive ambition ramping up. The song is frantic and tense as it drums along while Magalore shoots fireballs and summons up deadly magic vines. Then he summons it a black hole, and we have to avoid that because that does a lot of damage, and every attack we do matters because we need to whittle down Magalore so we can take him out. But he just keeps shooting more things at us, and the dark music continues. He fires off Bika Mehas. The background goes crazy with the fire shots in the background to foreground. Magalore even summons Sphere Doomers. And then he gets hurt so badly he has to retreat to the background and summon super enemies to defeat Kirby while he holds up a strong barrier. But Kirby turns it around by getting super abilities and damaging Magalore's shield. Magalore eventually knocks the ability out of Kirby, and then the fight keeps going, and then we're getting rewarded for our persistence and good dodging skills as this fight goes on with big spectacle attacks, and that's really cool. And then it ends with the final strike being an Ultra Sword attack that requires a beam struggle to win, and Magalore bursts into flames. And all that's so satisfying, but of course that's not the end. There's always a second form, and this is when the fight kicks it from 10 to 11. The moment the music kicks in, we know we're in for something special. The violins play, and Magalore's true form melded with the crown appears, and oh my god. He blasts the sword form out of Kirby and the fight begins anew, right? And there's so many more attacks. He opens up with this black hole attack, then summons enemies to throw at us, then summons vine attacks that are way harder to dodge. 
And then while the first song was about Magalore and the Crown, the second song was about the struggle between Magalore and the Kirby crew. We hear lots of competing instruments play as the song goes on. There's the violins represent Magalore, but then there's horns and flutes and more instruments playing as we keep going forward, and they represent, of course, Kirby and his crew. We even get memorable motifs of Kirby to make that extra clear. And if you listen long enough, you can tell who's who in the song as the two groups fight for supremacy. This fight brings everything from the previous fight and more, and there's fireballs and portal beam attacks. Magalore even does portal rush attacks. An interesting one is the frame attack where he launches a voided shape at Kirby. And there's so many attacks that Kirby has to avoid, and it just feels very rewarding to avoid them. Then eventually Magalore starts using the super abilities himself, and the fight becomes even more desperate. He throws everything at Kirby, the Grand Hammer combined with Snowball, Twin Ultra Sword sweeps, he bounces around us with his Flare Beam attack, and of course, lastly, he summons Monster Flint across the screen. And it is so cool to see those super abilities be turned around and used against us. And finally, for a long struggle, we win! But then there's one more fight we gotta talk about, and that is the second form that gets its own second form that we only get in the true arena. And I didn't even mention the eye, I mentioned that way earlier. The eye and the smile from that, and that big single eye, it's so scary, it's so crazy. The fanfare there is just insane. And then there's even more Lee motifs, and then there's more hints of dark matter here, and it's just so much. And then the true arena fight with Magalore Soul. Starts just like Crowned, but the song is titled Supreme Ruler's Coronation, Overlord, and this song is an arrangement of Crown, Dangerous Dinner, Fly Kirby, Limitless Power, Road to Victory, and Sky Tower from Star Allies. While this song plays, Magalore attacks with even greater ferocity than before. He summons double Kamehameha's, faster portal attacks, even more black holes, and so much! The music is also a greater extension of the struggle as well between Magalore and Kirby crew, but then after you beat the first form, you get the second form of the second form, and you know it's gonna be serious when they give you a heal between forms. Oh my god with that. All the tight gameplay has been rewarded with intense fighting, and now Magalore summons new powers. He summons a twin sand tornado attack and a mech twin cannon attack, and he's blasting the outside to trap us in the center for a big laser attack down the center. Then attacking with his bunch of the super abilities, that's even crazier. Just so much is going on on the screen, it's so much to avoid, it's even more than the X version. There's just a lot going on. And then during the music, you hear a weird sound during the second form fight. And you know what that sound is? It's the sound of Magalore's cries as he's struggling under the weight of the Master Crown's control. This fight is telling so much with its combat and music and visuals. And in case we didn't get it, there's the pause screen. Magalore fights to be freed. He's crying out for us to free him so he can come back and play with us again someday. The music is a conflict of many struggles. The Master Crown wants to defeat Kirby. Kirby and crew want to defeat the Master Crown. And in the middle of all this, Magalore wants to be freed, until finally Kirby wins and Magalore and Massacrown are defeated and warp away, presumably to Magalore's epilogue. This is just so incredible and one of the many things that makes Kirby so special. To be thorough, let's also talk about all the enemies in this game. So there's lots of good old classics like Waddle Dee, Shotso, Blipper, and Bouncy, but wow it's some of the new variants for these guys. Like the armored Waddle Dees are cute and funny to me, there's also more fishes like Barbar and Baraku. And bigger variants like Bouncy Sis, and the bigger shots of Giganso. I think my favorite new neutral enemy is the big puppet Waddle Dee, because look at it. I really like the super ability variants, like that's gotta be cool for Blade Knight, Chili, Hothead, Waddle Dee, and Bonkers. The super ability area enemies are great for the spectacle of the super abilities, best of all the bomb machines because of big explosions. But still, I need to ask, what did Giant Flotso do to deserve that cooking? And since we got a lot of new powers, there are new enemies too. Bulby for Leaf, Pierce the Bee for Spear, Whippy for Whip, and Cluid for water. 
My favorite has to be Pierce the Bee because it's so on the nose and I love it. Then Deluxe brought in three more with Sandren for Sand, Armoroid for Mecha, and Don Puffle for Festival. Don Puffle might be my favorite. Just look at that silly looking fellow. Look at him. And now we're at the last and final section. That is, let's talk about the HAL rooms and fanfare and accessibility. So there's four HAL rooms, three in the main game and one in epilogue. The first HAL room is in Cookie Country 1 to 4 and requires us to go to the end of the stage, then turn around and run, and then a new door appears and Green Greens plays. We get the HAL letters as a broom hatter's cleaning up as per usual, and I really love the HAL rooms. They just feel like a fun and cute Easter egg every time. Eventually, music progresses from Kirby's Dream Buffet to Love Love Alival after Green Greens, and you destroy the Hell Letters to get more items, and that's nice. The second Hell Room I learned was the last one in the original run, before Deluxe, and then they added two more. So the second room is in Egg Engines, and I kind of felt like I knew there was one here. It feels like the most obvious for sure when you see it. It's in Stage 6-5, after the first Crush Rally, there's the many conveyor belt sections and the Halcondrin Waddle Dees. At the end, there's a bunch of Waddle Dees, coming down a series of conveyor belts and a burger last. Also, there's an opening up there if you go up the conveyor belts. So it felt like a clear hint that there was something there, and I saw it, but I didn't look into it. But there it is, the second HAL room. Here the music is from Scope Shot, and we play a little precision shot game here to get a bunch of stars, and that's cool. And the HAL room is cute and has a Halcondrin Waddle D there instead of a Broom Hatter, since there are no Broom Hatters in Halcondra, apparently. The third HAL room is new. It's in Dangerous Dinner, and it's a little silly. In Stage 7-2, we have to get to the end of the 5th area and wait 86 seconds. Then the roof opens up and reveals an invincibility candy for Kirby to eat and rampage left and wipe out a bunch of enemies and ultimately get to a door to reveal an elevator that goes up and gives the Monster Flame ability used to melt blocks on the stage to earn more bonuses. A nice touch is the music is the first part of Gourmet Race opening theme when Kirby climbs up dreaming of food in Kirby's Superstar, but this version is the Mecha Kawasaki remake of the song. Eventually we get to the HAL and can melt it with the Monster Flame to get more items. The fourth and last HAL room is in Magalore's epilogue. It's a weird one to unlock. First every stage has to be completed, including the one after beating the epilogue. Then we have to go all the way to the top left corner of Locandra Dimension in a dent in that platform, and then travel all the way down to the bottom right of Pyred Dimension. There is a new door there, and once inside there's a fun and rewarding cannon challenge that leads to uh, the Howl letters and Black Hole Blocks and a Broom Hatter cleaning up. Another medley of tunes from Kirby's uh, Dream Buffet plays in this hall room, Ultra Super Boss Battle, City Trial, City Backside, and Working Up an Appetite. There's an energy potion to drink to hit the letters with Magalore's Black Hole Attack, which reveals 860 gems for Magalore. Fanfare time! These Howl rooms are great easter eggs for, for diehard Kirby fans and I love them a lot. Them alone are great fanfare. The 86 theme is still going strong, which is a reference to the pun Hadu. Which is the letters 8 and 6 together that sound like how? How do? How do? Yeah, there you go. The best fanfare in this game has to be the masks, Mary Magaland and the masks. Those masks are wonderful references to games of the past and activate the happiness of a lot of longtime fans. Kirby always delivers in making longtime fans happy. Also, just the lore implications of the masks and the main game are great. Also, let's not forget the Galactonite fight and the HRD3 bringing more fan hype. Then there's 100% dances that make it even more rewarding to finish the game. So accessibility. There's a ton of fanfare as I just said, but what about for newcomers? Kirby's a great starting point for new players for sure. The opening cutscene gives you a sense of who each character is in the story, and you're helping out some new guy. No prior knowledge is really needed. The tutorial teaches how to play Kirby perfectly, and the minigames are fun regardless of whether you played them in the past or not. The significance of the masks and statues might be lost on new players, but they still certainly appreciate how cute and cool some masks are, and maybe it'll entice them to check out some prior titles. So I think the game is fine as accessibility to new players. 
Other layer of accessibility to consider is for kids playing the game. Kirby games have always been easy in the base game and harder going forward. I think kids will enjoy the game a lot. It will be a bit rougher as they go, but it is not hard at all at the start. It's just the later ones are going to need some skill. And kids learn how to get good at games after all. Not all are going to beat EX in True Arena, but they will eventually, I'm sure. As they get older, or if they just get better. Kirby's difficulty ramp is pretty smooth and learnable, I feel. So let's wrap up with criticisms. The only things bad about this game are the long load times, which are just so weird and intermittent, and then the lack of online co-op. Online co-op would make this game a masterpiece in my opinion. Even the long load times, it would just make up for that. So I asked the community and some preferred some of the original song plays of Return to Dreamland, and they gave a good example with the opening to Magalore's fight where his scream is drowned out in Deluxe. So you had that big strum with uh, Magalore's coronation. In the old version, there's a scream there that goes with the strum that you can hear clearly, and this one, the strum is overlapping the screams, you don't hear it as well. So that's interesting there. And I don't really... I think that's just a taste thing there, but the bigger one I think that's better is the criticism of the placement of Sand and Mecha, which feel forced in, because they literally are. I enjoy the new powers, but they mess up with the introduction of Whip into one with Sand, and the introduction to Spear and 3-1 with Mecha. I definitely picked the new powers first and then messed up the flow for the other two for sure, just learning them. So time for the final verdict. Overall, I love this game a lot, and it's something in the top 10 for sure. With recency bites, it's probably in the top 5 for sure. The only thing keeping this game from 10 out of 10 is a few criticisms I have, but it is very unfortunate not having online co-op. It would have been amazing to have that. I would have definitely found people to play with, and that would have been great. I really wish they would at least give us AI companions. Like, Superstar had AI companions, why can't we get some now? Even Star Allies had AI companions, what the heck? For a game that pushes four players, it feels lonely to play alone for sure, because you can tell it wants you to have four people at times. The gameplay is tight, the visuals are solid, and the music is as amazing as always. The presentation is done very well, the cutscenes are all very good, fanfare is through the roof, and this game only made me want to play it more with all the things it offered. Deluxe set a high standard going forward. So the game is a 9 out of 10 for sure. I don't think many will argue against that. Maybe some will go as far as an 8 out of 10, and others might go 10 out of 10, but it can't go any lower than that. I don't know how you can. It is a solid, tight game. Even for people who aren't fans of Kirby, there is still a lot to enjoy here. If you don't like this game, I honestly think it's either because you're a big fan of the original and you just don't like some of the changes, or you don't like it because you just want to hate Kirby. Those are the only options I can feel here for not liking it. Besides, of course, just not being your genre, but why would you get it if it's not your genre after all? Why even looking at this? Like, you should be looking at Kirby if you're a platform player, that's for sure. Now, if there's anything good or bad that I missed, let me know in the comments or on Twitter, at Kirby's Dreamcast. And this was a pretty lengthy review, so I hope you enjoyed it. Everyone's enjoyment makes these episodes worth it. Share us with your friends so we can enjoy more Kirby together. Next episode is going to be another big project that's going to be the two-parter Halloween episode from Kirby Right Back At Ya. That's going to take a while to work on, and I can't wait for that one. That's going to be a very fun episode. I really like that episode a lot. I had fun. I hope you had fun too, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time.